This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Well, you know you're listening to Top Rope Nation. You might know I'm Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, and we're glad you're with us. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up, guys? Welcome to a bit of a new era of Top Rope Nation this week. More on that in just a minute. My name's Ryan Drosty. I'm joined tonight by two sidekicks, one of them... From our usual cast of characters and a very special guest co-host who I will get to here momentarily. Before I get to that guest, let me throw it out to Cleveland. To one of my usual co-hosts here on the show, Mr. Kyle Ross, the rain man of professional wrestling. What's going on this evening, Kyle? There's no place I would rather be than right here. That is what I like to hear. Do you got a beer in hand tonight? I have two. Oh, there we go. Double fisting. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not drinking two at once, but I have a backup already because so we don't have to stop recording like last week and I run down <laughs> to the basement. <laughs> I'm picturing you in my mind with like the hard hat on with the cans on each side and the two straws. <laughs> That's how you prefer to watch pro wrestling during your college years. Bad idea, to be honest with you. I might do that next week. Break it out of storage. Yeah. Uh, Justin Joint will not be joining us this week. However, I have brought on a special guest third man. He's that guy from Queens, New York. He started a successful podcasting network called What Else? The Guys from Queens Network. My good friend, host of the Matt Men Wrestling Podcast, Andrew Zarian. Welcome back to Top Rope Nation. I know. It's been a while. I thought I'd be back quicker, but I wasn't given the invite. By the way, I'm not drinking <laughs> beer today. I, I do have, I did stock up on White Claws because apparently everybody decided they were going to bring me White Claws for my birthday. And yes. I have about, I want to say, like 80 cans of White Claws now. So I'm just chugging the, these things like it's water. Dude, they're low-cal, man. <laughs> I, 100 I don't calories, them. dude. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I like, uh, we've been drinking the press. Have you had press? No, I had um, I had a new one. Uh, maybe that, maybe it was press. I like, I think I like press the best. You know, I do that truly, White Claw. My wife always picks up some of those, so. Oh, I understand at one point. Yeah, yeah. it's a slight variation, but you know what? 100 calories and it's 5% alcohol. So it's like a like a Bud Light or, you know, yeah. Coors Light. Absolutely. Yeah, the last time you were on the show, episode 86, it was February of last year. I think we were talking about the rise of Kofi Kingston at the time. So it has been a while. 
Uh, tell yeah. our listeners real quickly, what's new over at, at Matman and uh, how's the GFQ network going? Uh, we're quarantined, so it's it's a it's really bizarre. Uh, covering pro wrestling, I mean, you guys are in the same boat too. Uh, this is probably the most bizarre uh, eras of of me doing a podcast. Ten years I've been doing a pod, you know, different types of podcasts. I've been doing Matman, I think, for like eight years. It is so weird to talk about pro wrestling with no audience and to not have a co-host next to me. I'm doing it over uh, over Skype, essentially. Uh, it, it's really weird to do the shows the way that we're doing it. Obviously, we're adjusting. Uh, we're trying to kind of do more watch alongs and things like that. But, man, I, you guys probably think this, too. This is a really weird period for, mm-hmm. I mean, everything for podcasting, for, for wrestling, uh, just life, <laughs> everything. Yeah, it's it's very weird to cover wrestling right now. The shows are we're going to talk about this here in a little bit. You know, it's it's just really hard to get into the shows, at least for me. We're going to get your take on that, too. But yeah, podcasting, wrestling, it, the whole thing has been thrown off. So it's a strange time. We've been trying to put out you know more content for our listeners to keep them engaged while a lot of them are stuck at home, too. And um, that's kind of that's kind of led us into the changes we're making with the show. So basically, guys, what I what I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, uh, we're trying something new on the show moving forward. We'll be coming at you two times a week now from this point forward. This means tighter shows, but also in the end, more content. So our Thursday show will feature kind of a more current events focused broadcast. This is where we're going to talk about modern day WWE, AEW, what's going on, uh, talking about the recent TV shows and all of that. And then on Monday mornings, check those podcast feeds. We'll release an entirely new show uh, focused on a more singular topic. Could be a historical topic. Could be an interview with someone from the world of wrestling. Could be like a best of our, you know, our, our Mount Rushmore shows. We've been doing a lot of those recently. Either way, we're excited about the fact that we'll be hitting your podcast feeds twice as often and uh, continuing to reach new listeners. So as always, make sure to tell a friend about the podcast. Let's keep this thing growing. And real quickly here, the plugs. As always, we are members of the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out bluewirepods.com for all your podcasting needs. Hit us up with five stars. Click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, And check out patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation for details on how you can get a free Top Rope Nation t-shirt if you sign up before the end of May. Hell of a deal, guys. A free t-shirt for joining the Patreon page. It's actually the very same shirt that I sent Andrew that he has been seen wearing on Matman from time to time. Andrew, a very comfortable shirt, if you do say so. I would. By the assume. way, one of my favorite shirts, uh, as far as like a pro, like a podcast or like a wrestling shirt. On, honestly, I wear it all the time. To the, it, it, I wear it so much, people think it's my it's my shirt. It's my show. <laughs> hey, I'll take that, man. I'll maybe look, make <laughs> us look a little better. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Rich yells at me sometimes. He's like, "How come you're not wearing a Matman shirt on the air? You're wearing you're wearing a Top Rope Nation podcast uh, <laughs> uh, shirt." So I get I get yelled at all the time for it. But uh, by the way, phenomenal quality stuff. Uh, just really really good quality shirt. Uh, uh, you know, I wear it all the time. So it's, that's Can't the reason get- why. Can you get a better uh, sure. endorsement than that? Yeah, we, we have numerous T-shirts, guys, but this one I'm sending out free for the uh, new patrons this month. It's the black and gold. I love the sport established 2016 shirts. You can you can check it out at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Top Rope Nation, and you can get it free for just signing up for five bucks a month. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. So, Andrew, Kyle, the big news this week is, of course, the news that Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins are expecting their first child 
Huge congratulations, obviously, goes out to both of them. Uh, They're going to be raising this child from the looks of it in the great state of Iowa, Kyle. I have to throw that in there as a as a proud Iowan. (laughs) Uh, All of us here are fathers. So, uh, you know, what do we think of the handoff to Asuka on Monday night? I heard you talk about this a little bit this morning on Matman, Andrew. And uh, I think the bigger question, what does this mean for the direction of the women's division uh, moving forward? Kyle. Um, it's a loss of a major star. I'll tell you that. And they don't have many in that mm-hmm. company. It can obviously deba- be debated, you know, just how big a stars her and Roman Reigns are, but they're the two biggest stars in this company. At least they're promoted as such. And they're both on the sidelines right now. Yeah. So yeah, that's, um, major holes to fill in mm-hmm. programming wise. Uh, and the Oscar thing, I think, was honestly the best thing they could have done, given the circumstance. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the timeline was when that match was taped versus when they knew Becky was pregnant and then they had to make this change. Oscar um, is someone people like, so I'm OK with it, I guess. I don't know what other realistic options there were. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think on that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I have a feeling it's going to be Oscar Nia Jax as your first Raw Women's Program, if that's what you were interested in. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, Andrew, you and, uh, Rich were talking about this in Matt men, but it was, it was a really kind of nice, genuine moment on raw. You know, the reaction you saw from Oscar when, when she got the title and everything, I think, I think Rich was talking about watching it with his wife, if I remember right. And, uh, what, what her reaction was to seeing that. What did you think about that segment on Monday night, Andrew? I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I was watching with my wife also, and my wife's not a big, I mean, She's a fan because, you know, I, I work kind of work in the industry. So she kind of has been around it. So she knows what's going on. She knows the characters. Um, her thing as a non-wrestling fan, and I think this goes for a lot of people, right? It, it, the, even the casual fan. The reality of wrestling is what people connect to. The, mm-hmm. the carniness is really not. I think that's for more the niche uh, viewer. You know, that we kind of know the inside stuff. And we, we find things that are interesting compared to, you know, people that are Casual fans that may not find it interesting. Um, My wife loved it. And I could tell she's into a segment when she stops what she's doing and she actually starts watching it. The reaction from Asuka sold the whole thing. I mean, obviously, Becky was excited to talk about this. She was nervous. It's a, you know, it's a very sensitive subject. She's pregnant. She's probably the most successful character that they've developed over the last year and a half. Yeah. You know, as as far as mm-hmm. a run goes, that came out of nowhere. So I think for her, obviously, it was bittersweet. Asuka's reaction to her telling her that she's going to be a mother and just her mouthing it to her, like, oh, you're pregnant, and then just her kind of emotionally opening up. I absolutely loved it. They made Asuka look great. Um, Asuka's been on a big incline as far as her star goes in the company. The last, I want to say, probably two months. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Now, if you look at the women's division, right, it's not just Becky that they lost. They lost Ronda Rousey also, which was a big hit to them. I think the Mm -hmm. division totally cooled off since Ronda left. I know people didn't like her. A lot of people didn't like her. But the eyeballs and the interest that it created helped tremendously for that division. And now they got a lot of big shoes to fill. And, you know, they do have a great cast of, of women right now that are phenomenal talents that they could shift around, that they can move around and kind of do something. I don't think they need two titles for the women's divisions 
uh, at this point. I think they could just have one title for, you know, for Raw and SmackDown and have a traveling champion to kind of fill yeah. that blank of lack of talent until they build something again. Yeah. Kyle, that's something we've talked a lot, a lot about on this broadcast is uh, the, the two champions in the women's division not really not being a great situation. Yeah. And man, there's a couple places I could take this from what Andrew just talked about. It feels like this is a really nice spot to bring up the brand to brand invitation. 2020's answer to the wild card rule. No. Mm hmm. Yep. Okay, so. I think we both all three of us have actually just kind of alluded to the, you know, the big hit WWE takes with losing a star like Becky. You know, I mean, people were interested in this thing. Ratings were up. Right. I mean, we've seen how many views the segment got on YouTube. People care about Becky Lynch, to Andrew's point. That's a really big deal. So ratings have been sliding and we've come up with this brand to brand invitation. I believe this is a simplistic, wrong headed answer to a rating slide. The wild card rule didn't work last year. It's about creating stars and just moving people over that aren't really stars, which is what the wild card rule was. And I assume this is going to eventually devolve into Mm -hmm. isn't the answer. And Andrew's right. The reason that two women's titles often seems like overkill is they just don't have enough stars. Stars in the division. There's a lot of quality performers in the division, but there's not a lot of stars. It's really hard to have two women that over. I mean, to be blunt, there aren't many times in the history of this company they've had two men over the <laughs> level that would justify having two separate world champions. So I I worry about this brand to brand invitation and just based on the fact that last year the wild card rule didn't work. So I have no reason to believe this is going to work. Yeah. The, the other thing, I mean, and I feel like you, you hit the nail on the head with this, with the fact that the lack of star power and and I the brand split, in my opinion, is the the purpose of the brand split is to create the stars. That's how they see it. It's not for any other reason other than we could create stars in a better capacity, maybe maybe elevate someone that wasn't necessarily ready. Like you saw what happened on SmackDown during the, you know, the, 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 the SmackDown five or the SmackDown six with Eddie and Benoit and Edge and all those guys. But that was a very unique moment in that company's history where they had a plethora of stars. Now everything is homegrown. So when you let's say you take someone like Sasha Banks, right, since we're talking about the women's division, mm-hmm. Sasha Banks was the star of the women's division for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And because of the brand split, because of being shuffled around so many times, it really kind of fell flat. She's now in a weird situation where the, the the stock of Sasha Banks has fallen. Becky Lynch suffered from the same exact thing after WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. They moved her around. They couldn't figure out a good opponent for her because she obviously the roster split. So they had to figure out how they're going to take a title off of her. And then they put it in a Seth Rollins angle. It, it cooled her off. I really think it's it's the brand split that does this. And the reason is some people are never going to be the main event. That's just mm-hmm. how it is. A- and when you have a brand split, unfortunately, no knock at Dolph Ziggler. But how many times do you want to see a Dolph Ziggler world title match? You're pulling at Kyle's heartstrings right yeah, there. there there's comment. a lot of places <laughs> I want to go from that comment. Okay. <laughs> because in my notes, the, the key is the WWE – 
they can say all these reasons why they want to do a brand split and they can tell us why it's going to work and you know why it's good for the company why it's good for the fans that's all good in theory but it's never played out that way in practice with the never. exception of the uh parallel ascension of John Cena and Dave Batista in 2005 that's the only time it's mm-hmm. ever worked yeah in two tries of this what happens is they split the rosters and it's just, you know, supposed to be, okay, well, it's gonna be this way for a year. These people are on raw, these people are on SmackDown. And what inevitably happens is to get people over, they have to beat people, right? Well, mm-hmm. in the case of the women's division, it's a pretty small pool when you're splitting things in two. Yeah. And, and the same goes for the tag team division, as we've talked and about. And the tag team is the exact same, yes. Yep. Absolutely. So what happens is, by the end of that year, you've got two, three, four, God, even sometimes worse, half of those divisions are just running on fumes. Yeah. And they're, you know, they've just been beat for a year, and, you know, in their minds, they're like, oh, we could switch brands and give them a fresh coat of paint. That never works. Yeah. This well, look, at, is, look at Nakamura. Nakamura is a great example of this, right? Exactly what you're saying. Yeah, hmm. a, a brand split hurt Nakamura's stock in the company because of lack of opponents. Yes, and that's the problem too, is because you only have so many opponents for these people to work with. It, it's been very clear, basic since the death of WCW. Okay, the invasion didn't work, but what did work? in the fallout of that was matches where it was stars rock and Hogan. Okay. The invasion sucked, but people remember rock and Hogan, mm-hmm. which was you know kind of after the invasion was done. People just like the big names against each other. I have always contended this brand split is only done to benefit the writing teams. So it's like, <laughs> Hey, these are your people. These are your people for the raw and SmackDown writing mm-hmm. teams. Cause it doesn't really benefit the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you, so I just had a conversation with someone on the writing team, uh, about six hours ago. And I was asking him about that. We became friendly through mutual friends in the company and all this stuff. So he, we were just talking, I'm like, Oh, how's that going to work? But he goes, I, I don't want to curse on your show. I don't know if you guys curse. I'm not going to say it, but he goes, this is utter BS. Um, this complicates us so much more because what'll happen is Let's say AJ Styles and we're writing a storyline about AJ. We're writing, we're kind of shifting his character into a different direction. This is the plan that we have for him for six months. This is what we're going to do. And now the Raw writing team will turn around or the SmackDown writing team will turn around and say, no, you know what? This is kind of what we want to do with him. But it doesn't make sense in the long, in the, in, in the plan that they have, you know, six months from now. So now the writing teams are going, they're butting heads. When you do this, when you start taking talent from one roster and move them to the other, and even though they're moving, they're still considered the other product. So as a writer, who are you going to have more interest in? The guy that you're writing every single week and that you've developed a relationship for and a, and a likeness for, or the guy just coming over for you know a quick program? There is a way to make the brand split work. It would require intense discipline. Long-term planning, things that just... In other words, things that they don't don't usually do. At the top of the food chain, (laughs) things that don't exist. We've talked about what the title structure should be, that there should be a traveling men's champion, and then each brand should have its own champion. 
So there, mm-hmm. there are basically three top men singles titles. And the key is you've got to cycle people out faster. I know it's not 1990 anymore, but it is insane to think a guy like Jake Roberts, okay, was in this company for six years. Huge star, Jake Roberts. Everyone knows who Jake the Snake Roberts Tremendous. is. Tremendous. Yeah. Frickin' TV in 2020, for God's sake, okay? Kevin Owens has been on TV for five years. Still Dolph the greatest Ziggler, universal champion of all time, yeah, Kyle. The aforementioned <laughs> Dolph Ziggler has been on WWE television for over a decade. You have to, like, you have to cycle people. Basically, you have to be ready to have people come up from NXT. Okay, there are some people who can benefit from a change of scenery and a change of opponents. But those are guys who are really good. And other folks kind of, to what Andrew said earlier, and he's completely correct, some people aren't meant to be stars. Well, it's it's supposed and, to be a star-making company, and they don't have the track record of doing that in a long, long time. You look at the people that have become big stars in the last few years, and they all became stars organically through the crowd pushing them forward, whether it's Becky Lynch, you know, whether it's Daniel Bryan. Yeah. When, you, when you look at the people that they have tried to make stars over the last several years, most of them have flopped. And you're right, you can't have a brand split unless you're good at making stars. And I thought Andrew made a good point that, you know, the original brand split that did work out fairly well for a while, you mentioned, you know, the SmackDown 6, you had guys who rose to prominence in WCW, ECW, people started taking note of who they were. We were still pretty close to that time period at that point. But yeah, now now you have the people that were WWE is responsible for making them stars and they, they haven't been able to do so. So the, th- this brand split now has sputtered. Ratings have been down. I think what we're seeing now is kind of a mix of a response to the ratings as well as just you know, travel restrictions and some people not working and them having to use basically enhan- enhancement talent, you know, people around Orlando and they want to jack up the cards a little bit. But I think the long-term implications of this are going to be that perhaps this brand split does die off. I, I, I don't know. There's that dynamic of Fox and USA too. I think, I think the networks recognize right now they're we're in a different time with the pandemic and everything, you know, but when SmackDown moved to Fox, it, it was pretty clear that they wanted their own unique roster and, and not a lot of mixing with USA. So I'll be interested to see where this goes long term because of that if there ever was a time to do a brand split it would be now because you have this massive roster i mean the roster's never it's almost too big and to your point about oh guys you could bring some guys in from ecw wcw back in that time period and hopefully make them stars for you well there's less of an excuse not to make stars now because you're controlling the developmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they here's be- the other problem. The analytics that they inject on who and why someone should become a, who's going to become a star and why they should become a star. There's a lot that goes into this. It, it's, you know, we, we, those guys that we're talking about, right? The SmackDown six, SmackDown, but whatever you want to call it. How many of those guys were already established for 15 years or 12 years in the business and, other people's money was invested in them. It wasn't the WWE's money. So what they do, actually, they break down every dime they've spent on creating you. And then they look at the return and they say, well, look, we've, we've put, you know, a um, great example, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Let's because uh, I know that's everybody's favorite, right? Uh, <laughs> they, Dolph Ziggler's been there for over a decade on TV. 
how much money they know to the penny, how much money they have allocated in research and development into this character. And then they look and they say, well, you know what? It's been seven years. We're never going to make this money back. He's not going to be a huge star. Okay, we're done. We'll just keep him where he is and just inject him in matches every now and then. And it is what it is. Another great guy is um, the perfect 10. How long was he in developmental? Oh, 10 God. years? Yeah. yeah Zach Ryder. Zach Ryder has been in that company for over 10 years. Yeah. Just these are guys. They, they have forgotten what made stars and or how to make stars, I should say, because yeah. of all the analytics that are now put into play, which is fine. Listen, you need that, but you can't treat everything as an Excel spreadsheet. I could make those numbers, depending on who's trying to sell it, you could make any number look the way you want it to look. Unfortunately, for a lot of these guys, like Daniel Bryan, he didn't have those allies. Yeah. And, and you know, we saw what happened. You know, obviously he got injured and everything, but he was in the company for way before. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. should have had a world title way before he did. You know, I mean, and to Ryan's point, he was basically willed to the top of the card by the fans. The issue is they don't even put people in positions to succeed or fail anymore. That's what's really depressing. Like, take Diesel, okay? Everyone knows that was a bad title run, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason they know it was a bad title run is he was put into the position to succeed or fail. And he failed. They don't even put people in that position anymore where it's, they're clearly the guy. With the exception of Roman and Becky, who are the stars in this company? You could say Drew McIntyre right now. But is he flavor of the month? I mean, a year from now? I think, Drew, I think when we look back at this in five years, six years, we, unfortunately, in my opinion, I hope I'm wrong, and I'll be glad to say I'm wrong. I'm, I'm going to look back, or we're, we're all going to look back and say, my God, you know what? This guy could have been the biggest star that this company had made in years. And God, right guy, wrong time. Hmm. Yeah. How is this guy going to get over in this scenario? Mm -hmm. How? Yeah. The first six months of a title run solidifies who you are and how yes. successful of a run you're going to have. We're, I, I can't see this guy having a tremendous title run for the first six months. I, well, I, unless if they just keep Not on them. his own. You, you, well, you know, what it, you know what the key is? It's commit. It's commitment. Th yeah. That's the problem. They don't commit to things. Like, if you want someone to be over, if you're <laughs> WWE, you can will that. I mean, you can't always do it, but you can at least put them in the position. The problem is they give up too quickly. <laughs> Look at, at the first uh, Roman sign, Reigns, right? <laughs> yeah, at the first sign that things are going bad, you're like, well, we're not going to go all the way with this person. <laughs> and that's like, you know, with Becky Lynch, to bring this full circle, look, she got over organically. And the decision at some point was made internally. Becky Lynch is, quote unquote, the man. She's going over at WrestleMania. She's going to be the champion for a long time. She's going to win all her matches. And that's that. And that's how you make stars. Yeah. yeah. And then you somebody know, realized Hogan must pose. Hogan, Hogan must pose. Yeah, that's the key. Okay. He didn't lose. We're going to talk, <laughs> you know, about the Road Warriors. Spoiler alert. This <laughs> yeah. week. Okay? It was no secret why they got over. <laughs> that is for sure.
Real good discussion so far, guys. And before we go any further, we got to pause for a quick word from our sponsors. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on, and you would be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on, from their online casino to poker and blackjack. They're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day, all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's one word, to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. It's sexual, baby. And I want to give it all. That's right, guys. If you're looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds, get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. There's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU.com. Promo code BLUEWIRE. And you know the thing with Becky and, and this news and everything is that she is one of their probably two major stars right now. And very good chance we won't see Becky Lynch, you know, in this capacity ever again. You know, she's probably going to be working a part-time schedule at least for the next several years. And I don't, I don't know specifically what her plans are as a new mother, but uh, you know, given the situation, you would expect she's going to work a pretty limited schedule when she does come back, and that's going to be like over a year from now. Yeah, Ryan. Also, people are not thinking uh, about Seth, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this is something that nobody has spoken about. Is okay. So what the hell Seth Rollins gonna do when this baby when the baby's born? Listen, I got I got kids, right? I got two kids. No matter how many times I told people I'm not I'm not changing, I am who I am. This is I'm a whole different person now with two kids. Mm-hmm. Your priorities totally shift. So Seth Rollins gonna want to be on the road 200 nights a year, or is he gonna want to be home with his wife and kids? Yeah, exactly. That's that's something to also think about here. I I you know. They, they they may lose another person part-time. Yeah, absolutely. I do got to say with Seth, I kind of like this uh, this late Doors period Jim Morrison look they have going for him right now. He looked like he already had a six-month-old, to be honest with you. Yeah, he looked like me this morning. Yeah, he yeah. looked like it looked like we're all fathers, all of us, after you know a month of quarantine, two months of quarantine. Uh, the worst. Just dazing into the background like, what the hell is going on right now? <laughs> just, just turn on Blimpy on the YouTube and leave me alone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so... Yeah, I mean, it will be interesting star-making-wise. Uh, one other topic I wanted to hit related to that. So is Otis a star? We saw Otis win <laughs> Money in the Bank. And uh, 
I, I think the reviews for Money in the Bank have been kind of all over the place. Um, Andrew, you mentioned on Mat Men, you watched it twice and you had two different experiences watching it. Dear God, you watched it twice? <laughs> I did, and, and I'll tell you why. So uh, these – Kyle's beside I, we've been himself. Do, we've been doing watch-alongs, right, every pay-per-view because uh, yeah. I'm losing my mind in quarantine. So we've been doing the watch-alongs, and it's a very different experience watching – having a couple drinks – doing a show, taking phone calls, having your co-host on compared to sitting there and watching it on your own. So Mm -hmm. when my, it it doesn't matter how bit it could be a terrible pay-per-view. I still have a great time because I'm having fun watching it. My God, when I watched that thing on Monday morning, very (laughs) different show. I couldn't believe I had that reaction when I was doing it live. Um, There were a lot of stuff that was good. The Seth Rollins and and Drew McIntyre match, I think was, solidly put together it was a great match i i still like the money in the bank i did not like it as much but i did i did like what they attempted to do but everything else i it was was abysmal yeah i can't can't say i enjoyed it that much (laughs) i i didn't i didn't really care for the money in the bank that much there was a lot of attempts at humor i just felt fell kind of flat (laughs) um and just I don't know. I like Otis in the role that he's in. You know, I I don't really see him as a Mister Money in the Bank contender. I wasn't real thrilled with the finish there. And again, I like the guy, but uh, I Kyle, do you think he's actually going to cash in? You, you, I think you mentioned in our show notes here. You got a theory on what's going to happen? No, I don't <laughs> see him cashing in, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, well, what I see happening, and again, this is just reckless conjecture. I I have not heard this from anyone that I could see Mandy Rose exploiting him to do something dumb mm. and blowing the money, in the bank it's cashing interesting. In on Drew, dumb or <laughs> what's that cashing in on drew dumb or, well, I, or I don't know. Just like, you know, where she just exploits him because Lord knows if you watched NXT recently, they, this company loves to have the, Oh, women are controlling the men gimmick going and, you know, trying to draw heat that way. But so something we mentioned in our preview, Ryan, last week, I think the writing team views this briefcase gimmick as an albatross right now. Yeah. And and they're looking – and to their cre- – look, I texted you after I watched the Money in the Bank match. It was novel. It wasn't good, though. <laughs> I'm scrolling and, up in our uh, text thread right now trying yeah. to find your and comment. So to their cre- – like you and I for a couple of years now – since we've been doing the show, I have, have been very big. I feel that the money in the bank gimmick has played out yeah. because they've essentially allowed it to be defined one way, the edge way, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a heel who cashes in in this chicken shit manner. They just don't know any other way to do it. Well, if you do the same thing, basically for 14 years, I mean, you know, it gets tiresome. So Otis will be different. I don't see Otis being that traditional. Obviously, he's not a heel, first of all. And I don't see him being a guy who constantly teases the cash in in the normal way. So it's a, and we've already got the other the women's briefcases out of the way. So I, I don't it's going to be different. Whether it's good remains to be seen. The other two comments I like to make about money in the bank. Ryan, you touched on this uh, a little too much, quote unquote, comedy. <laughs> in the main event matches. And I use uh, air quotes around the term comedy because I wasn't laughing uh, a lot, whether it was the Money in the Bank matches, 
like those cameos were awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you. I found your your comments in the text here. You said, "I'm not bored watching this." However, the way it's produced has led to some very embarrassing shit. And then a couple of yeah. minutes later, okay, I've now decided it's actually quite bad. <laughs> like, imagine like like I get it. They've got these people around here, and you know the way WWE we're down to basically a diehard audience in this pandemic. But why are we doing brother love cameos in the year 2020? <laughs> How many people he was watching in the bathroom. even know who he is? He was in the bathroom. <laughs> Nobody knows who he is did you, uh, because I was looking at Twitter and the sheer amount of people saying, who's this guy in the bathroom? <laughs> and look, I'm, I'm assuming that Meltzer and Alvarez were all over this because this is something they would just love to sink their teeth into. I did not listen to their review. I don't know if either of you did, I, I but the participants like bowing down and acting scared towards Vince and Stephanie is reason number one, why there are no stars in this company. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine, remember, remember when Steve Austin always used to bow down to Vince McMahon in 1998? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. That like, got over great. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, just like, look, I mean, God bless Dana Brooke and Carmella. They're not going anywhere, but like, you know, Hey, clean this mess up says Stephanie. I mean, come on. And then Daniel Bryan and AJ, I love both of them, but you know, them acting like eighth graders who got in trouble for flicking each other in the ear in the back of class in front of Vince, that's not going to do anybody any favors. It's the comedy writing. So it, it, that, that comedy writing drives me nuts and it's become a thing. And by the way, that's a hundred thing because he loves that kind of shit. And Bruce loves that kind of shit. It's that bizarre, uh, school level humor. Um, that that gets off. Listen, you. By the way, you brought up a great point, right? How everybody's so afraid of Vince and Steph. This WWE is not a wrestling product. It's a television show about a family that happens to own a wrestling promotion, and yes. all their idiot and they're all their idiot employees. There is not one person in that company that comes off competent. Everybody's an <laughs> idiot. Everybody's a doofus. Everybody's scheming and scamming. Nobody's a good person. Top to bottom, even the baby faces are terrible people. It, it, it the the show is a television show about the McMahon family more than anything else. We've seen this for the last twenty five years. That is where we are, and that is why Stephanie McMahon is scolding the wrestlers to clean up the mess during a pay per view. Remember when Batista ripped on her slap on Twitter? That was maybe the greatest moment in the history of wrestling Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> When she, when she was like, she's like, you know, I call my finishing move the slap. What do you guys all have to say about that? Uh, and Batista's like, oh, yeah, it's great that none of us could ever get over after it. <laughs> Dave Batista's a legend. Uh, I'm also going to say this. The non-fiend Bray Wyatt character is absolute 193% grade A cow dung. <laughs> That match was embarrassing to watch. Like my, you talk about wives watching wrestling. Okay, mine walked in the room. I paused it during that match. I didn't want her seeing it. Like with the freaking rambling rabbit or whatever that crap was, like appearing. I was like, I don't, I don't want to be spotted by another human being watching this. (laughs) It was, it was, it was was great for the lead up, you know, to the fiend debuting. But once the fiend debuted, there's no purpose whatsoever in doing any of this. My, my kids freaking love it. My kids. Love okay. the boy in the red shirt. That's what my daughter calls him. And they're just so fascinated by the Firefly Funhouse. Listen, my daughter's four. <laughs> the average age for Raw is 50. What does yeah. that say? Yeah, it's not a 
there's probably a place for it, but the main event ain't it. My only other point about Money in the Bank is, and we have seen this, I don't know how many years going back. You get these title matches that are fine, good, very good in the case of Drew and Seth. I would agree with what Andrew said. But they have bad builds, these matches. And we've learned that having a good match on pay-per-view is simply not enough to overcome these bad builds. It's not 2002 anymore. You know, in 2002, I remember all the time this would happen. People would bitch about the creative, and then the pay-per-views would happen. People would go, oh, my God, but that was such a great match. Well, 18 years later, these guys aren't able to have matches that are good enough to overcome these builds. Yeah. So it's hard to get emotionally invested. I'm watching Seth and Drew, and I'm like, yeah, okay, this is good, I guess, but I had no, you, you know, the winner was in no doubt. You, you knew Drew was going over. And sometimes that's okay, but, like, the way the match was laid out, all right, it was your standard 2020 athletic fair, but it did nothing to convince me Seth had, might have a chance of winning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm interested to see, because when we started taping, I hadn't seen The Observer. I'm very interested to see Dave's star ratings on some of these matches, because to me, they're like three, three and a half star kind of matches. I just, I didn't think they were great enough to overcome just what's poor or non-existent builds. Yeah. yeah. Builds matter. Builds yeah. matter. It's not about watching a match in a vacuum. And without that crowd element, it just, yes. it's, it's really hard to rate a match. You know, like I factor the crowd reaction in so much to personally when I rate a match. And this is why I'm having such a hard time getting into watching any of these shows. Although I will say AEW is by far done the best, you know, with the shows without crowds. But it's just, it's really hard to get into it. I mean, I, I would say if you're going to go back and watch Money in the Bank, if you haven't watched it, you know, watch the Money in the Bank match just out of morbid curiosity. Seth Drew is pretty solid, um, but outside of that, there's really nothing to watch and on the show. With those Money in the Bank matches, no commentary, and that campy music that would play in the background from time to time. And why were the participants like apologizing to each other all the time when they got in yeah. each other's way? That was an odd thing. Like, are you supposed to be competing? Like, I felt yeah. like Dana Brooke and Carmella spent. Half the time apologizing to Nia Jax. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned the no commentary because my friend Ryan, who's who's a patron of the show, he was texting me as he was watching this. And he's talking about how finally when Michael Cole came in at the end, he sounded just so monotone and unexcited. Yes! <laughs> it's just like really, really it's just like, awful. Okay, and this person won. Yep. Like it was I don't even know why they added that. It added yeah. no value. Yeah. They might as well, you know, as much as it was stupid not to ever have commentary. Adding the bit they did, I think, might have been worse. <laughs> Mommy in the bank? <laughs> oh, guys. Well, you've heard us rip on this for 40 minutes. It wasn't the original intent, really, but I mean, that's kind of how this what has happened. What is to happen? It's 2020 World Wrestling Federation. There's not a lot to talk about. You know, right? if- this, this is a company that... I mean, they don't even follow Wrestling 101. You can always use to counter Wrestling 101. One last point I got to make, because I got to get your guys' reaction to this. Apparently now in 2020, you have a 40-plus minute last man standing match, and that leads to a, quote, straight wrestling match, not the other way around. I have oh no God, I don't. I don't even know how to react to that. Uh, 
And by the way, it may be the greatest wrestling match of all time. That's what they're I'll saying, right? I'll be oh, tell you something. No. I, I mean, God bless Adam Copeland, okay? I absolutely love that documentary. And I thought that match had the best build of anything on WrestleMania. But that match stunk up the joint, and somebody's got to be honest with themselves. It stunk, and I don't think a straight wrestling match is the answer. I I, I almost feel this is the Goldberg Undertaker of last year, Mia Culpa, where we'll give you guys a do-over. Oh, okay, you guys didn't like that match? And in their case, I mean, in their case, Undertaker and Goldberg's case, they got to work with different people. But it's kind of like, all right, well, we'll give you guys another chance to have a quote-unquote good match. By the way, you want to talk about another guy that was his return was screwed up. It's Edge because of the whole pandemic. You oh, know, this no, is the guy no that match on WrestleMania was hurt more by them moving venues than this one. Yeah, see, this was going to I mean, you're talking about a instrumental moment for him to have this major trajectory to be in these world title matches coming back. And everything is on pause because why you're going to waste Edge for no audience to have a subpar match. You know, this is a guy that couldn't wrestle for 10 years. And now he's back, and you are given this hand where do you want to risk having this guy wrestle in front of nobody? And maybe that could become his last match. Mm. And clearly, that match would have been done a lot differently had there been a crowd. They would not have been brawling, you know, backstage like it was a 1999 WWF pay-per-view. Yeah, Man, that Royal Rumble feels so long ago, huh? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, Andrew, you might be surprised to know after after this discussion that we were once criticized by a user on Twitter for being quote too positive about WWE. <laughs> That's what I get. I get all the. I get that all the time that I'm too positive. I, I think we're pretty even keeled on this show, and when 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 they deserve criticism, we give them criticism, and this has definitely been evidence of that. So, Kyle, did you have something? No. <laughs> I don't, I, I've recently been watching, as you know, Ryan, 1990 WWF. Yes. Which no one thinks was a good year for the company. Not one person thinks that was a good year. I swear to God, I watched the Tugboat promo and I was like, this would be the best promo on television this year. <laughs> <laughs> when he was like rallying the little Hulksters to write it, he, Hulk's been there for us so many times. We, now we've got to be there for them. I'm like, my God, I don't think there's been a promo this good on WWE television all year. <laughs> I have to plug it. You definitely check out Squared Circle Gazette. Uh, Kyle in the midst of a three-part look back at 1990 WWF with our good friend Liam O'Rourke. Uh, check it out. That's what he is referring to there. But uh, yeah, Andrew, I really appreciate you jumping on and joining us for this uh, conversation. Great, great time as always. Uh, where can our listeners find you? Uh, Matt Men Podcast, where everywhere podcasts are available, obviously. Uh, Matt Men Podcast on YouTube. And, of course, the GFK Network, if you want to check out any of the other shows that we do. Yes. Awesome. And uh, you can find us at Top Rope Nation. You can send the show an email, topropenation at gmail.com. And, uh, as always, leave us the five stars on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review that we can read on the air. And if you do, leave your Twitter or Instagram handle in that review so we can get a hold of you. And we'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. Guys, check out the podcast feed on Monday. If you want a more positive show, I'm sure you're going to get it Monday morning as we will be looking back at the Road Warriors, their career, and talking about the recent Dark Side of the Ring episode on that. Of course, the Road Warriors kicked ass, so check it out Monday morning. And uh, with that, I am Ryan Drosty here for Kyle Ross and Andrew Zarian. Take care and have a good weekend. Peace.